0: Hello and welcome to Nature's A Hoot. This is the wildlife podcast brought to you by the Hawke Conservancy Trust. And it's with me, Tom Marath, and Hannah Shaw. Now, we're all about birds at the Trust, but we know that birds don't live alone. They're a part of a greater ecosystem. And this is our opportunity to talk a little bit more about the wildlife beyond birds.
1: So if you're itching to know more about biodiversity or barn owls, or eager to explore the worlds of woodlands and wetlands... Basically, if you like wildlife, you're in good company.
0: And you don't need to be an expert because we'll be talking to leading minds in the fields of conservation and research to tell us a little bit more about what's happening right now in the wild world around us. So Hannah, welcome back to Nature's A Hoot. Suddenly it's summer.
1: Yeah, it feels like ages, to be honest.
0: It I know it's been, what,
1: it's been two months, I guess, but it really does make a difference doing it every two months, I think. It does.
0: Long it's gone are those days month. of lockdowns where we could be at home, mm. chatting to one another. Now things are like all systems go, um, especially for me. like the, Well, especially for both of us, but I'm going to talk for myself here um, <laughs> in that um, we've got, well, by the time this goes out, it'll all be over. And I'm hoping future self can listen back to this and it's all gone well. But on Saturday, 25th of June, uh, we've got the biggest fundraising event of the year. So we've got um, we've got a, an orchestra here. We've got a live jazz singer. Uh, we've got uh, life-sized elephant puppets being part of this thing. We've got more birds than we ever normally fly, all flying in the evening. Um, you've got Ben and I wearing a tuxedo, just like we we're at a night at the oh, Oscars. Lovely. Oh, yeah. I've never flown... This is an exclusive. Because it's coming out after the event, I can say this. I've never flown a falcon... In a suit and tie before, that's <laughs> going to be very interesting. If, if for those of you know how we fly falcons to allure, you need to be quite yeah. movable. So I'm hoping I've not tried it on yet. Probably should have done that. I hope I've not put on weight since becoming a dad, <laughs> and I'm, this suit's really tight <laughs> now pod. suddenly. Yeah, dad pot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and now it's going to be like really difficult to move swiftly as this fastest (laughs) animal on the planet hurtles towards me at a rate of knots no Um, it'll
1: be great it'll be really exciting yeah
0: it is gonna it's gonna be really good so I'm excited about it but there's um there's been loads and loads going on here so yeah certainly summer is in full swing um and we've been working together a bit more as well haven't we on uh kind of a new education sort of project oh
1: yes it's very exciting um yeah that's explore nature which is going really well um so bringing in uh, teenagers really, kids from um, schools in Southampton at the moment. So we're focusing on schools in Southampton, bringing people in who wouldn't normally get the chance to visit us maybe, hmm. uh, to come and have just a really nice day and learn a bit about nature, learn a bit about wildlife, um, find out what we're all about.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's quite a span isn't there of um, individuals within the group. There's some that you know, would never ever have thought that a, a career in wildlife or even just a general interest in wildlife would be yeah. anything would, would hold anything for them but in actual fact they go away yeah. from a day with us kind of inspired which is part of the plan yeah. isn't it really
1: yeah that's all part of the plan so it's nice it's really nice when um maybe there's a student that at the beginning of the day is very quiet but by the end of the day is you know really into the birds or comes out with something that you just don't expect i think it's really nice you know to that we can reach people that otherwise probably wouldn't get the opportunity to come here
0: yes it's it's just because we're so inspiring hannah they listen to us for uh, a few hours (laughs) and it's like my goodness my whole entire perspective on life has changed thank you so much Uh,
1: and then we try to get them to listen to the podcast and they're like um sorry that's that's one step too far what What is that (laughs)
0: um But yeah, no, that's been very exciting. It's been really, uh, really exciting to be involved with. And like you say, um, these are uh, schools that probably wouldn't normally choose to come and visit us, so it's nice to get our message and our kind of mission to a wider field of people. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's been great. So how's things with you generally, at at home and away?
1: Um, Okay, my husband is going away for a couple of weeks, so I'm a little bit um, anxious about that because... But also a little bit jealous because he's going to, um, so he's going on a fam trip. And for those not in the safari business, a fam <laughs> trip is where you get basically a really reduced rate trip, right? Because you're because you're a safari provider, so it's so that he will sell it to his clients. Um, and he's going to Mahali National Park, which is in Tanzania, and he's going to see chimpanzees. Oh, so wow. I am. Um, super wow.
0: jealous yeah <laughs> that's going to be very exciting he'll be sending you like yes. selfies with a chimpanzee selfies in the background selfies with chimps <laughs> in the background <laughs> uh, or maybe I do know, you remember I'm seeing that photograph of the chimp or i think it was actually i don't know it was it was some sort of primate that had managed to take a photograph of itself and there was a big thing about who oh, then yeah. owned the rights to the photo yeah yeah that was really cool you mean. um yeah bit of a tangent. but that that sounds really <laughs> exciting i can see why you're jealous
1: i know yeah, I'm very jealous.
0: It looks really good. But yeah. maybe I'll get a chance one day. Yeah, I think going to Africa is on the, the bottom of the list of things that I'm gonna get a chance to do. So <laughs> like since a child's come into the my life, it's um yeah, there's not really time to do anything except just about have three square meals a day and try yeah. and get as much sleep as you can. Um, so I'm. Uh,
1: he won't remember it now, anyway. He's no, he won't. You have so to wait until he's at least ten. probably. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't talking <laughs> about
0: going with him. This this would be totally for me. Like, oh right, okay. Really sorry, Rowan, when you're <laughs> listening back to this in the archives <laughs> uh, in the years to come. Um, but um, yeah, I have to say I have a great admiration for um, uh, Instagram parents. Do you know when you're flicking through yeah. and, and <laughs> you see these wonder- these children having wonderful time out in nature because we've tried to do that. Take a few pictures when we've gone out, and they never go the Absolute way chaos. you think they're gonna go. It's like, actually, it turns out he doesn't like grass. It, it feels weird when he <laughs> lies down on anything close to grass. No, don't like it. So, turns out, um, yeah. So far, exploring nature. I mean, to be fair, he's like five months, so um, give him a chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. He does like watching birds in in the trees and things. But I always no.
1: think your photos on Instagram look lovely, Tom. Not like you're having a lovely time out for your days out? Oh yeah, well like everybody else reserves. on Instagram,
0: it's a total lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is fairly fairly accurate to the truth. He's a he's a good one. But um yeah. Always good fun getting out in into nature with the family. And that's actually what I thought you meant by a fam trip. Just I thought he was going like oh, camping no. with uh, with with his mum dad or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Gosh. laughs>
1: No, um, I don't know what it stands for, fam. F- something.
0: We'll never know, a, uh, listeners. If you know, then please, uh, please email in uh, podcast at hawkconservancy dot org. <laughs> um, Sophie of uh, Series One Fame, uh, yes. Sophie Pavel, She's just released her first book.
1: Yeah, she has. Yeah, forget, forget me, me not. not.
0: Yeah, when actually, yeah. fact, she was talking. I say Series 1 fame, maybe she was Series 2, I can't remember, but she was talking about writing that book uh, when we were on the podcast with Sophie, so if you want to know a bit more about the writing process, she didn't give any details away, I have to say.
1: No, she was very secretive.
0: Um, but it's out now, we're kind of fast forward a year or so. and Well um,
1: she was writing yeah. it, yeah she was writing it when she came on I think, or researching it, writing mm. it, because we put her in contact with Matt Stevens. And she chatted to Matt about... um, That's our
0: UK conservation biologist.
1: Yeah. Um, Matt, our (laughs) conservation biologist. About um, Merlins. So that's one of the species. So the book is about... uh, I think it's ten species that are um, sort of the forgotten species and that are affected by climate change. And um, yeah, Merlin was one of them and she did chat to Matt. And Matt is quoted in the book. Yes, Merlin. So Sophie chatted to... Uh Dr. Matt Stevens, our UK conservation biologist about Merlins. So that's very exciting that we, we get a little mention in the book, a little thank you at the end. That's really nice. Yeah, we get a little acknowledgement at the end. And she's got a really good section at the end where she's got um lists of like inspiring conservation organisations and and our name does feature, which is nice.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I'm no I'm really excited. Are you reading at the moment?
1: I am reading it at the moment. I've got to the Gillymots, I think. I've finished the Seagrass. So exciting.
0: Oh, nice. No spoilers please because I'm not I've not begun just yet. Um, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go um, with the audiobook actually. I quite like audiobooks, especially when, like on a drive in to work or a home or just when you're going out on a walk. I quite like an audiobook and I think Sophie did the audiobook herself, didn't she? So nice to listen to the author so I've got that ready and waiting I just haven't begun just yet so Sophie uh, kind of congratulations from us uh, we know you've made it the big time now and uh, we're small fry but you know congrats and uh, really looking forward to uh, getting stuck into to the audiobook when when we can so Hannah it's probably time we did our matter-of-fact challenge now can you remember what last time's matter-of-fact challenge was it was a long time ago two months ago um, Best insect? Best pollinator? Oh, it was, yeah. Best pollinator. Yeah, you are right. I don't know who won.
1: Do
0: you know what? I don't actually know who won. We usually get told these things. Probably you. Yeah, probably you. (laughs) Um,
1: I did a lemur.
0: You did do a lemur. You did a black and white rough lemur, um, which is pretty cool. And I think actually clinched it on the, the cuteness factor because I went for the wasp and predictably... Uh, Actually there was a few fans for the Wasp um, But uh, yeah Wasps don't get the the tick Next to cute Um, So well done Uh, But it's all still to play for this time Um, Shall we dive in? This month's Matter of Fact Challenge is
1: Best Comeback
0: Okay, so just putting this in perspective, this isn't like, you know, when you're having an argument <laughs> and you think of something really witty to say. Uh, this is to do with species that have been on the brink and then they've been brought back by conservation Or maybe even
1: completely extinct.
0: Oh, yeah, so they've actually gone extinct and then come back totally. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I yeah. wasn't aware of that, so I haven't gone with that sort of animal. Uh, would you like to go first Oh, or it doesn't second? matter. You okay. go first. Um, I'm going to be on brand with mine. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, Californian... California condor um who quite amazingly was really on the brink of extinction in the 1980s um fall into i think what well, it says here at uh, 22 in the early 1980s um so that's 22 you know, that's not what you would expect to be able to come back um to a really kind of suitable and healthy breeding population but it has because Uh, the last few remaining wild birds those 22 birds were placed into a breeding program in 87 and then kind of slowly over time as they bred were released back out into the wild Um, and this next bit kind of blew my mind when I read it because I wasn't aware of just how successful this story had been uh, that in May 2019 the thousandth uh, California condor chick hatched out you know as part of that project yeah so you've gone from 22 birds to a thousand birds as a as for a large bird of prey that's a good healthy population in any any body's book um obviously there's still threats that they face through uh maybe poisoning occasionally persecution still um but um yeah certainly in a much better place than they were you know 30 40 years ago
1: very nice very nice
0: and if anybody's never seen a california condor they look quite bizarre very colorful yeah and they like kind of they've got these like puffy faces they look like they've been allergic to a bee sting sometimes i think they but they are cool, don't they? amazing and enormous like a huge these huge huge wingspans um yeah fantastic birds the condors
1: very nice very nice how about you well mine's also on brand
0: <laughs> yeah
1: perhaps even more on brand <laughs> Um,
0: How on brand I've, can you go With the Matter of Fact Challenge Well It's this I, What Hannah's about to say
1: I'm going for the Red Kite
0: Oh I thought you might
1: um, Just because I thought Oh you know Keep it close to home um, And because we were involved To a small extent um, Which I think is great So the Red Kite yeah. As you know Almost almost, ex- Pretty much extinct In England uh, Scotland and survived in small pockets in wales and then through the reintroduction program in the 1990s and the 2000s it's really a massive conservation success because it's come definitely come back from the brink and there's now lots and lots of red kites breeding living um in england so yeah so that's my that's my best comeback
0: yeah it's it is just amazing and i'm sure anybody listening will have stories about seeing red kites mm. out in the wild, whether it's just driving along in the car or going on a walk. They, they just fill the skies these days, don't they? Yeah. In fact, wonderful. so much so that we've had a, a few very bold red kites flying around us during our two o'clock demonstration oh, yeah. over the last few months. Um, so much so that uh, one of them has been given a name. <laughs> we don't normally do this with wild birds. We see him so often, um, but uh, his name is Ian. And he comes in pretty much every day during the two o'clock show to come and have a look at what we're doing. Um, And this came about because uh, if you've been to see us you'll know this but a part of the show we reward our kites by uh, firing up little pieces of food to kind of stimulate these birds into this kind of feeding frenzy um and uh, and simulate them hunting and catching insects on the wing yeah. in the wild nice and high in the sky and this red kite got wind of this that there was kind of free food on offer being fired up into the air willy-nilly at um about half past two every day so he comes across um and it was exciting when occasionally he would catch a piece of food Mm. that one of our kites was supposed to catch and so uh, one of our wonderful volunteers ian he said every time that kite catches a piece of food which is like once in a blue moon i'll donate 20 pounds to the hawk conservancy trust (laughs) Um, that kite has got progressively better and has (laughs) caught i would say close to maybe 55 60 pieces of food over the last few weeks <laughs> and now we you know, over the last few weeks we've kind of um begun kind of discouraging the bird trying to fire the food away from the bird yeah. but he's got so good that he'll even get involved now so um yeah uh poor ian he's out of pocket um, <laughs> and he's he's taken that offer off the table since quite wisely <laughs> but um, he has got a red kite named after him because of uh his very generous nature uh, during those demonstrations so it's very exciting and uh, I think he's kind of got the message that we actually don't want him to come in quite as close now well, that's um, good this is Ian the kite not not Ian not the volunteer, volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing <laughs> um, so yes red kites are back so much so that they will you know they're quite bold they will come pretty close now won't they
1: yeah they will yeah Ian the volunteer will be thrilled that he's got a mention on the podcast
0: he will, does he listen
1: I think he probably does yeah Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ian. Um, (laughs) Thanks
0: for all the £20. And of course, your company. (laughs) Uh, Brilliant. So that's our matter of fact challenge for this uh, episode. Um, The best way for you to vote, whether you'd prefer to vote for uh, My California Condor or Hannah's Red Kite, is either on our Instagram stories or on our Twitter, where there'll be a poll for you to decide who is the winner of this episode's Matter of Fact Challenge. So So last time, (laughs) uh, Hannah, we spoke to uh, Darwood Qureshi, didn't we? We did. Um, All about uh, their kind of beginnings, really, the inception of their work in storytelling for wildlife. So now working as uh, a member of the team on the BBC Natural History Unit, which is like a dream job for any naturalist really yeah um we actually got so much good conversation with darwood but uh, we really enjoyed our our chat with them um that we split their interview into two halves so you got part one last time yeah um and today we're bringing you more darwood and and you know everything's right with the world when we're bringing people more darwood i think there's more darwoods in the world <laughs>
1: yeah definitely she's such an inspirational an inspirational storyteller so it's just really nice to hear from her again and cuz we had such a lovely chat i think it'll be good to have that follow up and this time we chatted a bit more um about sort of how we can get um nature to be more inclusive a bit more about diversity and um darwood's sort of experiences with that and growing up and how it was for them growing up getting into nature and things so it's really really interesting chat so i think it's an important thing to sort of talk about really
0: it is yeah so let's go into it then this was part two of our interview with darwood koreshi Um, so would you, you've spoken today about kind of feeling underrepresented, um, kind of when you were growing up watching nature documentaries, watching David Attenborough. Obviously, there's almost been historically a certain template of person who appears on television to tell you about wildlife and nature. Um, do you think that that environment is changing for the better? Do you, do you feel like it's a more comfortable place for a more diverse group of people now?
2: I would definitely hope so, and I think it is, but I also think it's happening quite slowly. Mm -hmm. But then again, I don't think I expected it to happen any faster than it is happening now. And, you know, I I did an article before which basically talked about the issues of systemic racism in wildlife and conservation, especially in the UK. And, you know, if you look at the reasons why there are so many people of colour who aren't you know, in conservation or who aren't involved or who don't even know that they can be involved, you know, we can link that back to where people, you know, where people grow up, the issues of media underrepresenting urban Mm -hmm. wildlife, you know, 80% of our population living in urban cities and they don't feel represented. And if you look at all of those issues, you can see that, of course, you know, we're not going to have a lot of representation very quickly, but I do think it is getting better. And my, you know, my kind of hope is that we are going to get more representation because as we, um, as we kind of move into an age where we see that the only progress that will happen is if we go into an environment with a very open, fresh perspective to that idea and to that problem. I've very much seen, you know, in terms of um, wildlife conservation, climate change, um, issues to do with um, people and cities, et cetera, the, the things that we're doing or, or we have done in the past, they haven't really worked. And they aren't, you know, they aren't continuing to work. And this works very much um, in the case of wildlife media. Of course, you know, we've had brilliant programs. We've had David Attenborough, we've had, you know, Steve Irwin. We've had amazing, um, fascinating people. Chris Packham, so, you know, super cool people who I really, really look up to um, representing wildlife on the big screen. But it kind of shows that the fact that, you know, people are involved with wildlife, but it's happening so slowly the fact that it does need to change because these ideas and these ways of doing things—they're too stuck in their ways and they keep using the same algorithm again and again and again. And so the only way to progress any sort of you know views on wildlife and conservation is to really change up the entire environment and to completely go with a new, fresh perspective. And the way you do that is by opening up the arena to different you know different people of different ages. Um, different backgrounds and different upbringings. And I think that's really, really cool. And um, recently, and I'm quite good friends with um, Dan O'Neill, who is, you know, he's a broadcaster and um, the only, I think, out gay um, wildlife TV presenter that I've ever seen really presenting um, conservation in the way that he does. And, you know, we've chatted a ton of times and hung out and he's such a cool person to know, but it's also really lovely to see that he's so, out and so his expression of himself is really amazing and i think that's a key aspect especially um, when we talk about stem and when we talk about um, our expression and when we talk about how people exist in these environments and conservation is the fact that we have this kind of logical systematic view of nature you know it's very much oh you should know these things these things and these things and you need to act in this very particular way Mm -hmm. When in fact, I think the best conservationists and ecologists I've ever met are literally 90% passion. So it's, you know, it's it's just cool to see that, I think. And it's cool to see that he was expressing himself in the way that he he is, and that gives me more hope. And the fact that I'm kind of here talking about anything um, and being, you know, a trans person of color who um, who's also mm. Muslim and is also kind of talking about all these other issues, that gives me some hope, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's kind of, Kind of weird to look in on yourself and go oh there's hope because i'm here but (laughs) i
1: think
2: (laughs) yeah it's just I, i think it it does give me some hope again i think it is happening quite slowly but i think um you know if you don't have hope then nothing's going to happen and i think we do have hope um and i think it is very much going to change and i think that is the only way that you're really going to like i said have any progress in this in this world where we need more conservation where we need, you know, far more awareness around climate um, and intersectional
0: issues. Mm. It seems like quite a a vulnerable position to be in for you, though, in terms of, you know, being kind of open about all of those different attributes of yourself on Twitter and Instagram, because, you know, sometimes it can be quite a a scary place, can't it? Just kind of being out on on social media and, and on television where people can comment whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, do you do you feel that or are you you kind of beyond beyond that point in your <laughs> career now where you're just comfortable mm. with with everything you're doing and and the success <laughs> that you're seeing?
2: I don't think I'm de- yeah, I'm definitely not at that point where I'm completely comfortable with everything. I think I'm very much in that stage where I'm still kind of trying to balance out everything. Mm. I'm very much trying to balance my, you know, my social life with my work life, with my kind of not quite social, um, not quite work life where I explore nature and I think it's really enjoyable, but I'm not really putting that into any kind of, you know, creative process. I'm trying to balance out all of these different issues. And Like you said, it's quite terrifying to be on any sort of platform um, because once you go on a platform, people expect you to speak, Mm. you know, they expect you to have something to say. And a lot of the time I don't really have anything useful to say. I'm just kind of sitting in my room thinking about, I don't know, something very random. Um, And it's probably to do with Beatles or something. You know, it's very, it's a very kind of interesting place to be because you often feel, um, and like you, I think you made this point before, you feel like you need to be an expert. You feel like you need to bring everyone up to date with a lot of different issues. And I definitely feel that a lot of the time, Um, especially um, as someone who's a person of color and queer, you know, this is a world that often um, especially in the society we live in, doesn't know a lot about um, queer people of color in terms of how we process things, how we work, what the best way is to address, you know, different aspects or problems of our lives. And so, if I'm here as someone on a platform who's mm-hmm. saying, you know, shouting, I'm a, you know, I'm a queer person of color and I'm in nature and conservation, people will naturally gravitate towards mm-hmm. you and go, "I have a question. Please answer it because I've seen your, you know, your credentials and therefore you will be able to answer this." And I think once that's brilliant and it's perfect that I'm here, I do have to remind myself and I keep having to remind people around me, who, even people who aren't queer people of color, even people who are just, you know, in the wildlife and conservation industry and are just talking about their love of plants or whatever, if they're talking about their love of anything, I have to often tell them that they don't owe the world anything and they don't need to talk about things mm. just because someone's asked them to talk about that thing or they don't need to respond to something that someone said just because they are who they are. And I have to remind myself of that all the time, because, you know, at the end of the day, we are doing these things because we love them and we enjoy them. We're not doing them because we feel like we're trying to fill, I guess, a gap or we shouldn't be doing them because we feel like we need to fill a gap of, you know, a gap in the world almost, because that will naturally happen through your enjoyment and through the process of you being passionate about this topic anyway. And yeah, it it does. I think it does get a bit terrifying sometimes, especially when you feel um, kind of overwhelmed. And recently I've been feeling quite overtired myself because, again, I've been trying to do all of these different social things. And I've also been trying to do all of these work things and trying to combine the two in this very, very busy kind of lifestyle that really isn't working and is frankly quite disorganized. So I think for me. It is generally about it's not just about organization but it's also about saying no to things mm-hmm. and it's also about not speaking about things sometimes i think a big aspect of today's society which needs to be talked about more is not speaking and not talking about things because sometimes you really need to do that you know sometimes there'll be an issue that comes up and it directly but you know affects me but i don't have to speak about it
0: not not if i don't want yeah. to no it's a good message. i think
1: it's um thinking back now about the sort of the programs that I used to watch when I was younger, actually the ones that I probably liked the most were ones that Chris Packham uh, did. And I guess when he first came out, he was quite alternative because he Mm, was a bit of a Wacky hair.
2: And yeah, wacky
1: hair and stuff, you know, and although he still fits that mold of a cis white male. um, Yeah. Sort of a bit indicative of like what you said that the, um, what, comes through is the passion and it shouldn't matter what the person what background the person comes from it should just you know the passion just shines through and like you said most people who the most interesting people are like 90 passion so yeah i mean hopefully it's moving in the right yeah. direction
2: love chris Packham. yeah yeah he was in a, <laughs> in a punk band i think that he's a kid yeah <laughs> i think really he's cool. done some, <laughs> some crazy cool stuff. Uh, yeah as yeah. a massive fan of punk i'm like one day i will have a very long conversation with you about punk, and it will be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure he'd be he... very happy to do that. <laughs> yeah,
1: he probably was. <laughs> have you met him?
2: I have not. No, I've, no. I've, I've. Yeah, no, I haven't really met him. I've like kind of, um, I guess, e-met him. Okay. Through, through um, I that the film I did about the short-haired bumblebee was presented by him and Megan, oh. uh, Megan McCubbin. So that they kind of presented my film, and then, um, and then I spoke, but. I have not sadly met him so no. Chris
0: so it's punk and uh, kestrels oh yeah kestrels. And the thing and Megan of course uh, an alumni of uh, nature's a hoot as well yeah because so. we... <laughs> <laughs> past guest
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> segues
0: Segway <Yeah>, that <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good segue to the next question actually it is. um so yeah podcasting nice to have a fellow podcaster on the <laughs> podcast again um that's what sophie pavel said she said like everybody else in 2020 who started a podcast she also has a podcast um <laughs> tell us so you you're on the call of nature so love to hear a bit more about that but also obviously i'm i'm a little bit obsessed with Jurassic park Yes. As I think you. I are. didn't know
0: about this until um, <laughs> you put it in the question. I didn't know about this. so I'm also you didn't
1: know fifth. I was obsessed me. with Jurassic Park. No. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd love to hear about the <laughs> Jurassic Park podcast, because that sounds amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think for me, because podcasting has been really, really cool. And that's one of the things that I first started off with. Um, In terms of any speaking or any sort of, you know, talking about wildlife, I went on to Into the Wild podcast. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably had, you know, with Brown Dalton. And that was a really cool one to be on because I was on that with um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Anjana cat's work um you know we were talking about diversity and conservation and nature and kind of the issues and obstacles and there were there was another person on there who I can't quite remember the name of but they were very very good so everyone should check out that episode um not just because I'm in it but um it was (laughs) you know it was very very cool to be on that and then from that kind of spawned a a process where I was like oh someone has heard me on this podcast and um someone came to me and contacted me and went oh we heard you on this podcast and that was really cool we'd like you to be on um you know the call of call of nature. Um, and it was really, really cool to be on that. And we're on hiatus at the moment because everyone's just got so many things that it's kind of it's kind of yeah. stalled for a bit. But it was very nice to be on that and to learn about the recording process, you know, to learn about the fact that you can stop start things wherever you want, you can edit things out, um, you know, we'll we'll have people on and we'll be able to ask them about our favorite things to do with that topic, or we'll be able to write an episode. Or we'll be able to you know chat with people about our favorite topics our favorite um organisms i remember i did a feature on tardigrades which was really really oh yes
1: i listened to that one yesterday
2: it was brilliant (laughs) oh that's cool (laughs) yeah that that was really nice to to kind of do that and i think podcasting is this new avenue of communication i'd never really tapped into before because to be honest i have the attention span of a stone i cannot (laughs) pay attention to things if they're not in front of my eyes so <laughs> I found that really hard sometimes to kind of listen to a podcast and stay focused on what they were saying and th- but I found that getting involved with the podcast and the creative process behind it that got me really much more mm. interested in this version of media that I'd never delved into before and it really kind of opened it up for me because it you know it's it has its links this kind of this um I guess this um What's the word for it? Putting on a pedestal of different Mm. medias like, you know, film, movies, books. It's actually quite ableist. If you, you know, a a lot of these different ways of talking about these different medias Mm. as being the sole way that we, you know, in taking in sort of knowledge there are a lot of ways that these can't be accessible to a lot of different people. And so podcasting and radio, that should still exist and that should definitely still grow because these are ways that can be very, very interesting and very useful to a lot of different people. And so I think going through that, that was really, really, really cool. And being able to talk on different podcasts about different things and talk to different people about how they create their different podcasts. I thought that was awesome. And then something really cool happened so i was um so i've ever since i've been really really young my favorite movie series of all time is jurassic park i love jurassic park so much um i love you know i love dinosaurs i love prehistory prehistoric wildlife i've watched so many prehistoric programs like walking with beasts walking with dinosaurs um you know primeval (laughs) i remember that show that was great love primeval (laughs) primeval is a top quality show i think (laughs) Very sad because the first few seasons were the best. I don't know what happened after
0: yeah, that. Yeah, it went downhill.
2: It um, <laughs> went slightly downhill. But you know, I love prehistory and I love looking at the kind of the concepts and the theories to do with wildlife that existed in that era. I think that's just so awesome. And so, uh, you know, I love Jurassic Park. I love the um, the soundtrack. Um, I love yeah. the characters in it. It's amazing. Um, I love reading up about the different kind of concepts and theories about how they came up with the different dinosaurs and the animatronics and the movies I just think that's awesome and so when someone contacted me from the natural history museum um because that's where they work to go oh we do you know because I tweeted um I tweeted basically saying if someone doesn't get me on to talk about Jurassic Park um, (laughs) I'm gonna make a podcast and talk about Jurassic Park (laughs) (laughs) anything I'll talk about so someone better do it um so I did that and I was like, okay, that's a funny tweet. Um, you know, no one's really going to pay attention to that. And three different dinosaur podcasts answered back being like, yeah, come on. We'll talk wow. to you about it. And that's still, amazing. When still, still kind of discussing. But the Jurassic Park podcast, that's so cool because that was one that I was like, that's a big one. You know, that's one that they talk yeah. about so many different aspects of dinosaurs. And so when someone reached out to say, we'd love to, you know, I'd love to feature you and talk to you about dinosaurs and just nerd out about Jurassic Park and um, and talk about velociraptors of all things and raptors. So raptors, it kind of, it really does link back because that was the topic of the episode. It was raptors. Well, I was going to say oh, that
0: you do know that we've kind of got like the modern equivalent of Jurassic Park yeah. right here yeah, on our doorstep. Obviously. So it's like... Exactly, yeah.
2: It just tees up really well. And I think, you know, it was so cool to be able to talk about um, velociraptor, to talk about, you know, Microraptor, raptor gigantoraptor, all of these different... Um, dinosaurs and to really nerd out about like we went really deep into some of the concept art and to kind of talk about Jeff Goldblum and you know the you know different people um different actors that have been on it and the fact that oh you know scientists thought this dinosaur would be cool but Steven Spielberg didn't and you know it's just it's, it was really interesting and really cool to be able to nerd out about that um and to also talk about Jurassic World you know and the fact that they've got really amazing things like that like mothering raptors <laughs> and they've got, you know, they've got different dinosaurs in that. And they also talk about, it's just, I could go on forever and ever and ever about dinosaurs and about my different, you know, the different interests that I have around it. And so it was really cool to be able to do that. Um, and one of the things that made me kind of think that I should be doing more of the things that I enjoy and less of the things that I think I should actually just be doing because someone asked me to, um, because that was really an enjoyable moment and probably, you know, one of the best experiences I've ever had talking about probably the best experience I've ever had talking about Jurassic Park in that depth. Excellent. That's yeah. so
1: true. What you said, you should definitely do the things that you want to do. And going back to what you said, uh, said earlier, like oh, more of us need to know how to say no to stuff as well, yeah. but say yes to the stuff that you do really, really exactly, want to do. Yeah. And just because you are passionate about it. Why
0: exactly. Not? <laughs> how has uh, nature the Hoot become like a platform for just, advertising everybody else's podcasts here it's like yeah. <laughs> just in part, ryan dalton's gonna be like yeah that's great we're just yeah. it's the wild have a i've mentioned so many that's <laughs> <laughs> no, fine it's great um so obviously we have just talked about how it's really important to kind of have that slight disconnect between enjoying yourself and working how do you find ways to connect with nature that's just for you
2: i so i've actually only recently been able to like go back to nature and reconnect with it in a way that I only enjoy and I don't have to talk about it. Um and that's literally just going to the local park or going to an area of Mm. green. You know, there's lots of them in Bristol now that I've I've moved here and it's really it's really cool to see all these different green spaces around. But before when I was in Portsmouth um I used to be by the sea. And so it was only you know it was only 15 Mm. minutes or so away. So I'd just walk down to the ocean, sit on the beach Do a beach comb, you know look for shark egg cases, look for you know um, different eggs of different species, look for lots of different corals and it was really cool to just be able to wind down and hear the ocean and when I left that I felt really kind of Mm. sad because I thought you know there's nothing to help me, to help ground me and to help remind me that the natural world is somewhere that I should enjoy and okay it's very cool that I get to be able to speak about it in such depth and to raise awareness to the issues. But if it's not making me happy, I've kind of missed the point of, you know, of doing any of this. So I, I was kind of a bit amiss, Um, but I found local parks to go Mm. to. And I just like going to them and walking very slowly through the woods or through the trees um, and just walking into kind of areas where there's lots of different bird species. And I don't have to, you know, film them or take pictures of them or write about them. Yeah. just have to sit there and just think about the fact I don't even have to identify them because sometimes I feel like it's almost a stress to me to go into areas and think what is that species you know it's, it's a lot of the time it's yeah. really cool and I love it but sometimes you go into that space and you're like I don't actually have to think about what that species is or identify in my head I just mm. have to enjoy the fact that there's this amazing creature next to me or there's this amazing creature that I can see in the distance and you know there's all of this nature around me and I think I'd kind of I'd lost that in this commercializing of nature that sometimes happens, especially when you're on Instagram or especially when you're on, when you're on Twitter and you're talking about nature all the time as part of your job, you feel like everything you see needs to be shown and you need to talk about it in depth. Yeah.
0: It's kind of performative, isn't it? Sometimes, Mm. It
2: becomes very performative and I never really want, I never want to be someone who performs a love of nature because that would be terrible. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think it's so important to have that separation like you said where you do just have that for yourself and you and you don't have to put the pressure on yourself because I do that as well I'll be like right I'm going to go for a walk in the woods and I'm going (laughs) to identify all these trees I'm going to look at all these birds and then you just feel like stressed out that you haven't totally the the stuff. but really you just need to get out there and like for me probably the most restorative thing is just to walk to the end of my garden and like look in yeah. the pond which hasn't really got anything in it but just you know and just spend a bit of time or when the wildflowers are up just watch a few bees yeah and yes. don't worry about what they are just sit there but I think exactly. so
0: it's almost like an automatic brain response though now it's I don't know if it's the same for you guys but I'll hear like a bird call yeah and because like for visitors yeah or the or the sessions that we do with uh Matt our, our conservation biologist he's so good at picking up yeah the bird calls and I think I want to be like that and so my mm-hmm. like relaxing dog walk this morning was like yeah. listening to birds and go oh yeah that's a great tip oh there's a green woodpecker over there somewhere and I think well, why <laughs> am I doing this like I, I just walk in the dog stop <laughs> and I say them out loud and I think there's no one here it's like half yeah. six in or the point morning at
1: them. I do a lot of pointing
2: right? oh, look, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> who am I showing the dog's like I don't care throw a stick <laughs> Literally,
2: I went and but I think because you know there's aspects of that that you obviously enjoy and obviously relaxes you, but in the moment it really isn't necessary. Because no. um, I yeah. remember I went to Camden Market in London, um, and quite a lot of it was literally just standing in the middle, looking up and going, "Oh my god, a starling!" and another one, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. and another one. They're great round there, aren't they? Actually, Last as well. Them, wow, they're yeah, like they're super completely- friendly.
2: Literally, they come so close, and they're so beautiful, and their calls are really bubbling and rich. Yeah, and, yeah. I love you know, a starling. It's amazing to hear, and obviously the iridescence of the wings is stunning. I love them. Um, but I really had to go. Hang on, can I just stand here and look at them? Why do I have to tell? Because someone went past and they were like, "I wonder what bird that is," and I was like, "Oh, it's a, it's a starling, by the way." And they were like, "Oh, if anybody wants to know, there's some
0: starlings over there. Oh, no, there's
2: more starlings. All those birds." <laughs> and I was just, you know, it's just I had to remind myself to go you don't need to do that no. that's not no. that's not something you need to do that's just something you need to enjoy
1: yeah definitely um i've lost my oh there we are um so now that we've said that we're, we shouldn't be going and id'ing stuff in the wild. um do you have a do you have a bucket list species that you would really really like to see in the wild? it can be anything
0: not I a
2: dinosaur have... Not a dinosaur, no, it has to be extant. Uh, very sadly, yeah. But um, I mean I'd love to see a dead dinosaur. Cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd love to go That's on a, a dinosaur. Yeah,
2: that'd be cool.
1: <laughs> um
2: um yeah, no, I think in terms of bucket list of wildlife, I don't actually have one because I think I really love the fact that anything could kind of happen at any time and it could very much go on a lot of different expeditions for lots of different things but I've also not really ever been on a proper wildlife expedition and so I've never had to prepare I've never had the incentive almost to prepare a bucket list because I've never really expected to be able to see any wildlife in the you know in the wild because it is quite it's quite hard to travel Um, it's quite Mm. expensive And then also COVID came in and so now I'm just like, I can't really, you know, I don't know, I'm still in that mindset of not being able to travel. And so I think for me, there are some animals that I would love to see in the wild, but they're very much um, there. So I I think one animal that I've particularly latched onto and would very much hope to see um, is um, an orca. I'd love to see an orca in the wild. I would absolutely kill yeah. to see, you know, the the fin rising above the water and just that be able be to amazing. see a pod off, even if it was just off the shore in the distance. That would be incredible to me. And it's, you know, it's one of my favourite animals. Um, and even that, it's just, it's like, you know, you have a dream for it, but will it ever happen? I don't know, but I would love to be able to see it. And another one, I guess, I've literally just... I've just explained why I don't have a bucket. <laughs> you're creating it now, you're now really with us. I'm Life. creating it with you, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what animals would I love to see? I would love to see um, the migration of monarch butterflies that happens in North America. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely stunning, that's so, you know, that's just something so beautiful and magical to be standing beside it, in the middle of it, whatever, just to experience that, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, I think as well, mole <laughs> crickets. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> So I think that would be. I don't really know what cool that is. See. We're they're, both
0: intrigued now. So a mole cricket.
2: Tell us more. Oh, they're big, big, big crickets, <laughs> and they, really? they kind of they live. Um, I think in the grasslands and the tundra of North America. Oh, um, wow. And they are these big. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have got that name right. But they are these, you know, these incredible um, insects that really, for me, no one else, no one really sees because they're very much below the ground. They tunnel a lot. Um. And I just think that would be a really cool um, insect to be able to study um, and look at. Um, I think that's probably for now, that's, that's, um, that's kind of kind of the few of the species um, that I'd love to see if I just went, went, um, went out into the wild.
0: And just, I've just done what we always do when we don't know what have something you written is. It down, I've Tom? just, no, I've just Googled. Oh, right. And uh, trusty <laughs> Wikipedia is telling me uh, all about them. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah, two, two inches long as adults. So like, Definitely, mm. like palm of Gosh. your hand, sort of like big oh. animals. Yeah. Wow, incredible. Um, and we did kind of um, pre-prep you for this. Obviously, we're the Hawk Conservancy Trust, so our <laughs> focus is on birds of prey. Have you got a favourite bird of prey?
2: This was a hard one. I love birds of prey. I think that you know, obviously, as a big fan of raptors, I yes. you know, birds in general are just incredible animals, um, but birds of prey in particular um just have really captured my attention for so long and I was actually in my head fighting between two um between little owls and ospreys um mm, good ones and yeah I, I love little owls for me are just this perfect package they're of brilliant. bird of prey they're just so beautiful and their eyes are glorious and that you know they have these little tiny behaviors And it's just incredible because you're like, this is a little person. This is a little person (laughs) in a little owl suit. It's just incredible. They have these really amazing behaviours. But the osprey did win in the end. Um, I just, for me, I I used to spend so long um, when I was younger watching the live cameras um, Mm. for, you know, the Rutland ospreys, um, watching the nests, and there was nothing (laughs) there. But I would just watch it and keep it on. (laughs) And then suddenly you would have you know this giant bird just alight into the nest and it would be so incredible to see um and i just think for me ospreys are they kind of represent all that is free about water and about air they are Mm. really stunning primal i think creatures and especially if you see you know you see those really wild golden eyes and you see them just kind of um i don't know what the word is for it but they're kind of soaring over the lakes and just very carefully you know grabbing fish almost from yes. the water in this such such a calculated, um, very specific way that you could have never believed that they would be able to know that fish was there. And it's just a really beautiful, I think it's a good way of representing birds of prey in the natural world, mm. is that wild but calculated freedom. And I think ospreys do that um, perfectly. And I would love to be able to see one because I've never been able to see one in real life. But oh, really? um, I would yeah. love, love to be able to see um, an osprey in the wild. That's another one on the bucket list. <laughs> They are, <laughs> your they bucket are is getting quite long now <laughs> it? yeah it's getting too long now this is why I didn't have one
0: <laughs> <laughs> so much to do so little time <laughs> Darwood thank you so much for coming on to speak to us uh, it's been lovely to hear all about your very varied life and everything that you have been getting up to and uh, it's nice to hear that you're someone that's trying to advocate for setting aside a bit of time for yourself and enjoying mm-hmm. the work that you do especially in wildlife conservation um you know if we if we fall out of love with doing it it, it's not good for anybody so yeah it's really great great message to have out there um yeah thank you so much for for coming on the show yeah
1: thank you darwood
2: yeah it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure. Um yeah, I'm really happy we had this conversation. I feel so much more empowered now. Um to go out and actually enjoy nature and not do things for the sake of filming them. So that's really, really cool. But yeah, thank yeah. you for having me and I hope we get to meet in person when I come and see all the wonderful. Yeah, work. yeah
0: please come to see us.
1: Definitely
2: do.
0: So I feel like Hannah, there was two halves to that interview. There was very, very serious, and really what we need to be talking about right now, diversity, inclusion in what we're seeing, what we're putting out on all our channels, television, social media, radio, whatever, we need to see more diversity, and more people like Darwood are are flying the flag for that now, which is great. Absolutely. Um, The other half was slightly less serious. We talked about there being a podcast entirely dedicated to Jurassic Park, which I'm not knocking... But there's there's two different weights here, surely.
1: Well I think there's more than one.
0: <laughs> more than one Yeah. What, more than one Jurassic Park. I podcast. know
1: that Darwin went on at least one, um, because she said that um she put a tweet out about um being obsessed with Jurassic Park and then got loads of people coming back saying i've got a podcast come on my podcast
0: <laughs> and yeah, talk about I dinosaurs
1: i mean who's gonna turn that down yeah.
0: <laughs> nobody no well nobody who likes dinosaurs I suppose. exactly and yeah you're darwood was very much among friends that day because Absolutely. we love a good dinosaur <laughs> yeah. we love a good dinosaur
1: yeah exactly
0: um so darwood we love everything you're doing and uh we're, we're really grateful for you giving up your time yeah. to come and Uh, be on the podcast it's lovely lovely to have you and uh yeah keep doing what you're doing inspirational for sure yeah so hannah that's pretty much all we've got time for for this episode um we will be back again to see everybody in september um so we'll be the other side of the summer pretty much i know it feels like a long long time away doesn't it but uh, it'll soon come round um if you feel like you want to get your fix of hawk conservancy trust in the meantime then of course. You can come and visit us we've got a fantastic visitor center here uh, in Hampshire uh, and we're open seven days a week and uh, you can come and watch our fantastic birds fly uh, lots of information on our website as well about our conservation projects and all the different work that we do and of course there's a backlog of nature's Who episodes if you are a newcomer to the podcast
1: I'd like to also just add um, that Explore Nature, which is aimed at um, secondary school children, is a workshop that we're doing. And if there are any schools in the local area that might be interested in Explore Nature, to also get in touch on um, the conservation email, which is conservation at hawkconservancy.org, just to discuss and see if you're interested. We can have a look and see whether we might have some workshops available.
0: Yeah, come and spend a day with Hannah. Yeah. And most mostly me there's a couple of other people who have been involved as well <laughs> of course um we've got uh, mel who's a fantastic new intern yeah. who's been working on some of that as well um and uh, and deirdre's here as well so yeah we've had um, lots of lots of uh, support and help in in doing this and Hannah sort of fantastic job of setting this up so a great opportunity seize it if you can if you're a secondary school teacher and you think there's a group there that would benefit um seize the opportunity yeah. for, for for this great experience Anyway, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, remember, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss out on an episode. Also, remember to vote on our Instagram stories or on our Twitter poll for our Matter of Chat Matter of Fact Challenge. Yep,
1: and we, we will oh,
0: see you next time.
1: <laughs> see you next time.
0: Bye. 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 <laughs>